Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Mighty Father, once again we come before you. We are here to receive instructions. We therefore demand God for understanding, wisdom, and revelation from your word that will cause us to be established in your divine purposes and intent for creation. We bless and exalt your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to we continue with our study on biblical language in numbers. And this is going to be part number 12. And we're going to be studying I just hope I'll be able to cover number 16 and 17. Biblical language in Numbers, part number 12, um, dealing with number 16 and number 17. I just hope I'll be able to cover that. Hallelujah. And I need to find out if... Uh, you are actually getting anything from this particular series that we are dealing with. Uh, for me, it would be very helpful in designing so many things as they unveil to me from the Spirit. And even as I study the Word. Okay. Number 16 is quite an interesting number. According to Bible prophecy, number 16 is an interesting number. Why is it an interesting number? It speaks of love. Number 16 speaks of love. And uh, I begin to wonder if that is why men always talk about sweet 16. <laughs> it speaks of love. Love and loving. You know? That's what number 16 stands for. Uh, you still remember number 15, right? 15 speaks of what? Rest. 14 speaks about what? Deliverance, salvation. Good. You need to just get these plans because they are very vital. Should the Father begin to talk to you in those areas, you should just understand exactly at a go what God is saying. Praise the Lord. Amen? Right. So, 16 speaks of love and loving, like I said, and it's very, very important. Now, as believers, the proof of our love is not just on the physical obedience to the commandments, maybe that which you call the law, but fully is submitting to the spiritual intents of our Father's laws and judgments. As we can see, for instance, if we go to the book of Matthew, let's try to look at Matthew 22, verse 37 and 34. We should be able to understand these things uh, the way God intended them to be. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And he says, Jesus said unto him, Matthew 22, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, 22, what did I say? 
37, I mean 37 to 40. That's what I mean. From verse 37. Are we there? Alright. So Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And sometimes when I read the scripture, I begin to see why the river in Eden parted into four parts. The dimensions of our life that needs to be washed so that we can become the true guardian of God. The areas where we miss it. Hallelujah. Anyway, verse 38. He said, This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and what? The prophets. So, Love is not just keeping the commandment alone. It's much more than that. Love is expressed in two dimensions. Towards God and towards man. Amen? So here we're having two eights. If you will. Eight plus eight gives you sixteen. One eight is as it were towards God, the others towards man. You can't claim to be loving God where you don't love the man you see. Scripture says. It's, it's, it's fallacy for you to claim that you love God and yet you don't love the man that you see. You can relate to your neighbor and yet you say you love God. No. Even if you spend how many hours praying to God and yet you have hatred in your heart towards your neighbor, you're doing nothing. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Alright. Now, if you take time to study the Old Testament, you'll find out 16 of the various names and titles of God. Spirit house is constant, never-ending love for the children of Israel. Of all the titles and names that God bore in the Old Testament, 16 of them, the end point is the expression of his love towards Israel. And of course, you know the scripture says God is love. We're going to come to that. So that is number 16 playing out for you. The expression of love. Love towards God and love towards man. And you can't claim, I repeat, to say you love God and yet you don't love the man that you see is fallacious, is, is ridiculous. As far as scripture is concerned, it's not acceptable. It's the height of deception. Because you must understand in the first place that man is made the image and likeness of God. By implication, the invisible God is revealed through the man that you can see. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, when you look at the scriptures, especially the King James, you also notice that some of the longest words used in the Bible in the King James are 
16 in number. For instance, Romans 1, 31. Romans 1, 31. What do you find there? Without understanding, covenant breakers with a natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Now, if you check that word, covenant breakers, you have 16 letters. You see that? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? Good. Now, by implication, you are not supposed to be a covenant breaker. If you are not a covenant breaker, you are in love. Did you get that? That's 16. You ought not to be a covenant breaker. And one of the proof, we're going to go down, one of the proof that you truly love God is to keep His words. Just like you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I've always said this, it's always a difficult thing to, to actually think about loving neighbor. It's, it's, it's hard. I'm all be honest because let's be sincere with ourselves. Where is the proof of our loving our neighbor? Now, look at this. You go to the market. You want to buy maybe a pair or two of shoes. You already had about three at home. But you come to church, you find that your neighbor doesn't even have a pair of shoes. He's just managing one. And that one is always there every Sunday. Then on weekdays, he put on slippers so as to reserve the shoe for Sunday service. You notice that. But you go to market, what do you do? You're looking for two pairs of shoes at the same time, but you know your neighbor does not even have up to two pairs. Where is the love? So that's why I say it's difficult to really love neighbor. We've not been able to come to that place where we express loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. We still love ourselves more than as we love our neighbors. I don't know if you're getting this. Yes. I mean, sit down. Anytime you sit down, you're thinking, or maybe you have some money, you're doing calculation. Who comes to your mind first? It's just about you. <laughs> that is just about you. That is the issue. You see, but God intends you to express this. And look at what he said. He said, the love of God is shared abroad where? In our hearts. But sit down and think about it. The first thing that comes to your mind when you're looking at your money, your salary, is about yourself. The next thing you want to buy, the next thing you want to get, and then you extend it to your daughter, to your son, maybe to your husband or your wife. Neighbor is not in the circle. No. That is man. <laughs> but the scripture says love your neighbor as you do what? As you love yourself. He said, this is the two things that hang, all other commandments are hanging on this. And one of the things that you express fully in terms of your loving your neighbor is not to hate, it's not to ridicule, it's not to reduce your neighbor in any way. No matter what happens. One of the, one of the quickest ways to express your love to your neighbor is forgiveness. No matter what anybody has done to you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Look at Deuteronomy 17, verse number 1. I'm talking about the longest words you can find in scripture. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in a bullock or sheep when it is blemished or any evil favoredness. For that is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Evil favoredness. 16 letters. Psalm 25 is number 6. 25 is number 6. Psalm. The book of Psalm 25 is number 6. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and what? Thy loving kindnesses. For they have been ever of old. Loving kindnesses. 16 letters. Hebrews 7 verse 18. Hebrews 7 verse 18. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. 16 letters. Unprofitableness. Praise the Lord. It is also believed and seen that the word Father in certain aspects of the scripture appears 16 times. Just like they have the word sickness and branch. They appear 16 times. Now, I'm just giving you some background to it until we come to the reality. We know that, for instance, in... Uh, in the book of Second Kings, I just mentioned to you. Josiah reigned for 16 years. B.C., you know, you don't need to bother that, but B.C., if you will, 786 to 72, he reigned for 16 years. Josiah, one of the best reformers in Israel. Same with King Ahaz, over Judah, he reigned for 16 years. And then we have King Uzziah, was made king of Judah at the age of 16 years. You can find out for his son in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 2. And he reigned as long, I would say the longest period, Uzziah had the longest period of reign in Israel. For well, 52 years he reigned as compared to other rulers of Judah and Israel put together. He had the longest rule, Uzziah. Praise the Lord. But again, I said he came into power at the age of 16. Right from when Israel entered the promised land to the day when Saul was anointed by Samuel as the first king or human king of Israel, they had 16 judges or a group of judges that govern Israel. You know, Israel demanded for a king because the children of Samuel could not perform. Remember that? Good. So, 
Right from that time, they had judges that ruled Israel. And they were 16, if you take time to count them. Starting from Joshua, Otnel, Ehud, Deborah, and Barak, Eli, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jephthah, Samson, Samuel, Ibzai, Jai, and Abdon. There were 16 judges that ruled in Israel. So you check it out, Samuel's son made up the 16th, a final judge over Israel. As a matter of fact. And then their corrupt nature is what led to the request for a new king. So, the natural rulership of Israel was in the hand of judges. And I'm saying, including the sons of Samuel, there were 16 judges. It was because of their failure, as a matter of fact, that Israel demanded for a king. So, essentially, how does 16 relate to love? That we're talking about. Because we just said number 16 talks about love. Now again, you find that if you take time not to understand what I just said, if God had 16 judges to rule Israel before they demanded for a king, it was an expression of his love. Now you must understand something. The request was, we need a king like other nations. That means, intentionally, God was not intending to rule Israel through kings. Is that okay? Never wanted to. He never had a king right from when they came out of Egypt. They are prophets, they are judges, they are priests that were ruling them. But not kings. But when Israel demanded for a king, he said, okay, let's give them one. And that was because if you take time to study what kings used to be those times, you can see how powerful they were. Kings were very powerful. Kings will lead people to war. Now, so when they demanded for a king, it was another way of saying, we need somebody that can take us to war. But you see, the ark was what was needed. And the priest in the warfare of Israel, because their warfare was spiritual. And they manifest in the natural. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Praise the Lord. So they demanded for a king. King, you are very powerful. I haven't said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not sure God is actually intended to relate to us as a king. No. God is a father. He never for once spoke to Adam in the garden that I'm your king. So why did he come to begin to say he's king of kings and lord of lords? It's just to let you know that the way you value the natural kings, I'm trying to make you understand I have more power than those people you're trusting in. Are you with me? God is a father. But when he said, I'm king of kings, he's trying to tell you, since you're demanded for a king and you fear king so much, understand that I have more power than the people you fear. I don't think I get in this. Otherwise, from the very beginning, he's a father. 
And he hasn't changed. Praise the living God. So he just simply said, I'm the king of kings. Understand this fact. You fear those kings so much. You respect all these kings so much. Even that is why you said we want a king like other nations. Okay. I want to let you know that I'm as powerful and more than the king that you fear and you respect. And there's nothing they can do that I cannot do. I can do more. I'm the king of kings. I have more power, more dominion, more authority than those people. Do you understand that? Otherwise, God, like I keep saying, is no other person but Father. I know what Father means. Once he becomes a father, you become a son. Somebody tried to send me a message recently and was telling me of the titles, what titles do I think is, is, is good for him to be here. As a title, so what title you want to be as a The greatest title in the Bible is the Son of God. Not bishop, not apostle, not evangelist, not pastors. These are ministries. But the greatest of all titles in the Bible, Son of God. You check it out. Even in Isaiah, we're talking about you no longer be called eunuch. I'm going to give you a name. That is more than that of a eunuch. Those who serve in the palace of the king. I'm going to give you a name, a title is above that. What was the title? You're going to be my sons. The greatest of all titles in the Bible is Son of God. Hallelujah. Now we don't understand it, so we think about the bishop, the apostle, the prophet, or whatever. Just name it. No. A son. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Every other thing is ministry. Priest is ministry. Priesthood is ministry. Even kingship is ministry. Huh? Hallelujah. So again, we come back to our question. How does number 16, which is the number of law, you know, relate? Or in the scriptures, how do we find out that which relates to love in the Bible? Look at 1 Corinthians 13, we live from 4 to 8. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. What do you find there? Charity, which is love. Maybe we'll take it from a simpler translation, anyone you want. Any simpler translation you want. So that you can get it a little bit quicker for you. But when you read this place, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious. Love boils over or not boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. What's the next thing? It's not conceited. What I mean is arrogant and inflated with pride. Love is not rude, unmanly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. 
He takes no account of the evil done to it. He pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I was running away from King James. You got me the one that is longer than King James. I was thinking maybe NIV or any of those things. Anyway, love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. Oh, okay. But rejoice whenever truth wins. Now, if you take time to study all of that, what you find is there are 16 characteristics or qualities of love. So you go back and study that and see what I'm trying to tell you. Love, I mean, this chapter of love that we just read, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 14, there are 16 characteristics or qualities of love. That's why love is number 16. Or number 16 equals what? Love. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Right. So, you take time to go study that. And, then, and it's good you study it for yourself. It's good you go meditate on that place for yourself. You can take it from different translations. Spell it in the Amplify. And see what love really means. So when we're talking about number 16, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Very powerful, powerful scripture that you need to go study. And you understand what love really means. And that's number 16. Hallelujah. I wish to hear. Praise the Lord. Okay. Alright. You know, remember, if you take time to read, it will tell you. Uh, what is that? Verse number seven of that scripture. Love beareth all things. Hmm? No, take maybe an IV. That one, oh, this one is too harsh. <laughs> Bear at all things, believe at all things, or maybe go to King James. That would be okay. Just go to King James. Verse seven, number 7. 1 Corinthians 13. He bear at all things, believe at all things, hope at all things, endure at all things, charity which is love, fail it not. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall what? Cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall do what? Vanish away. So you take time to study all of that, like I said. You're going to find 16 qualities of love. That is why number 16 equals love. So if for instance the Lord is speaking to you, like I always say, by dream for visions, or by any other means, maybe the words 16 just come to you. What do you think God is trying to tell you? Either you lack love or show love. Whichever way. Praise the Lord. Alright. We also found that the 16 times the word love is used is in First John. The 16 time the word love is used is in First John. So look at First John chapter 4 verse 18. That is the 16 time that word love is used. First John chapter 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. Now let's take it from verse 17. Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. And the next thing says 
There is no fear in love. A perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Can you look that there from message translation? Job verse 18. Message translation. Hallelujah. There is no room in law for fear. Where form law banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in law. Praise God. So, if you are a worshiper, if you are a believer, and you still afraid of the judgment of God, you still afraid any of those things that people paint for us in church, you are not made perfect in love. The love of God is not perfect in you. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. Let me check the amplifier. Let's see this. Amplifier. There is no fear in love. Dress does not exist. But full grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. It's not yet grown into love complete perfection. You need to get this. Praise the Lord. Maybe somebody asked me a question. I'm going to find time. It hasn't uh, many stars strongly to me to do that. But I'm going to be talking on judgment so that you understand what judgment means. I've been asking questions. Even from the congregation, two persons have asked me a question. I need to know something about judgment. And it's interesting. We're going to deal with that. But the truth is this. You can't be judged as his son. You can only be punished as his son. You pass from judgment unto life. You pass from death unto life. You can't be thinking about judgment. That's what people don't understand. As a son of God, you can only be chastened by the Father. Huh? How do you pass judgment on your children in the house? I mean, tell me. When your child commits a crime, you flog the child. You can't take the child to the police station because he commits a crime in the house. Do you do that? We don't understand what the Bible says. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We have no understanding what that is talking about. No father judges the child. The only means by which you judge your child is chastisement. And every chastisement ends in a glorious, righteous life. That is the kind of judgment you expect. Where is Caris? Um, where is that? Dogs there. Where is he? Alright, he was there two, two weeks ago. I was coming in and he was outside and I say, I don't want to see you outside again. Or through the service. All of a sudden I saw the mother going around the place and I said, what are you looking for? He said, looking for dogs there. Where is he? He said, 
She doesn't know. I said, okay. I went this way and he was coming from the back. And I gave him two slaps. Now he's calm. He's a righteous man. That's the only thing you expect from your father. Nothing more than that. I don't know if you understand that. Every judgment of God, which is chastisement, produces righteousness. We don't understand that. So, if you are a believer and you are still afraid of what men call judgment, you are not made perfect yet, what? In love. I see so are we in this world, we can approach our Father with all boldness because we know He loves us. Just that we love Him because we keep His commandment. And we love our brothers. I know this is hard for the average believer, but this is the truth of the Bible. Our sins were judged in Adam. Christ took it upon himself. And so we're made sons of God. And so the only thing that the Father does to us is to punish us. Remember even when he's taking the book of First Samuel, I think chapter 12, he said the same thing. Say, your child, I will not, I will not deal with him like other kings. I will punish him. <laughs> Praise the living God. And every punishment end up in what? Righteousness. Praise the Lord. Why do you have what you call prison? You see, the state set up the prison to reform the criminals. So, ultimately, the end point of prison was to be a reformed man. Huh? That's why they are changing the name now from prison to what do you call it? Huh? Uh-huh, okay, fine. You see, they they change the name because that is what it's supposed to be, not prison. Because if you come out of that place, you are expected to be a better person in the society. The end product of the punishment you got, of the judgment you got in the law court, is that you become a better person when you come out. That's just so now our judgment was laid on Christ. He took it. We become better people. We become sons of God. And so if you do anything wrong, God punishes you. But not the kind of punishment that is 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 simply chastisement, just to correct you. In fact, it is discipline. Is that okay? That's why it talks about in the book of Hebrews. Any child that is not chastised is a bastard. Bastards are not disciplined. Huh? And he said, when we receive the chastisement of the Father, he walk out of the peaceable fruit of all righteousness. That's just it. What judgment are you expecting? To go to hell, right? <laughs> you better read the scriptures. Hallelujah. God will chastise you. God will flog the hell out of you. Bring you to a better person. Make your head correct. Hallelujah. So, here is the word. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts it out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You're missing number 16. If you're still afraid. Of approaching God, or even calling on the name of God, 
Hallelujah. John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> Why is the proof of your love? Oh, I love God. Oh, God, how I love thee. God said, you think you love me? But of all the things I've asked of you, you've done none. The proof of your love for God is to keep his words. Now, the commandment is not just that which is written. The commandment has to do, especially at this moment, if I may say, every instruction he gives to you privately or personally. You can look at the logos, the written word, as a commandment of God. But the rhema of God supersedes the logos of God. Otherwise, look at this. In Genesis 22, we are told God asked Abraham to go sacrifice his only son. Remember that? And he took the son, went up, to have him sacrifice a month Moriah. But guess what? We are told that when he got to the place of the sacrifice, and he's about to slaughter Isaac, another voice came and said, There is a ram all over there. Go pick that ram and leave it. I just wanted to test you to see whether you are faithful to all I say. Now the last word spoken supersede the first word spoken. Is that, are you following what I'm talking about? So the word you read is perfect, is strong, is God's word. But if God speaks a word to you from what you are reading, that which is spoke to you supersedes what you're reading. That becomes the rhema. Are you following this? And that's what changes your life. So when he says, keep my words, you must come to that place where you hear what God says. And you live by what he's saying. You see, the love you express to God is when he commands you or asks you to do a thing and you do it perfectly well. So you see the case of, of we always illustrate with the case of Saul who disobeyed God and God simply said, I prefer obedience to sacrifice. Remember that? Yeah, that's what we're saying. Praise the Lord. John 14, 23. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make an abode in him. If any man loves me, what will he do? He will keep my words. That's all. The expression of your number 16 is how much love you have for God. Praise the living God. Did you get it? If you love me, keep my words. And when we come and make happen, one of the things that brings God and Christ to your life is when you live by what he asks you to do. The more you respond to the voice of God, the more infilling of his life that you receive. That finally you become an expression of what you're receiving. 
and is done out of love. Number 16. Hallelujah. John 15 verse 10. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pastor Mike, you see me after service. I just don't want to forget that. John 15 verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandment and abided in his love. Did you get that? In keeping the words of God, in keeping the words of Christ, you abide in the love of Christ. And you must understand what Jesus was talking about then. He came as a sacrifice. And that is the message the Lord sent him. He abided in that which God instructed him to do. And so at the end, he manifested the true love of God. If you keep my commandment, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandment and abided in his love. Again, I want to say that the proof of your love is how obedient you are to whatever thing he instructs you to do. And that goes for wives, children, as the case may be. The proof of your love is your obedience to the instruction of your parents, your husband. Especially if it's in the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Praise the Lord. Okay, let me try to see if I can use the many hours to do, a few minutes to do. Number 17. Number 17. Number 17 is a number that speaks of overcoming the enemy. And complete victory. Number 16 is love. Number 17 is overcoming the enemy and complete victory. Hallelujah. You see, according to the Hebrew month or the calendar of the Hebrews, it was on the 17th of the second Hebrew month that the Father God overcame the human rebellion when he sent the flood through rain on the earth. Man had become so rebellious, but God decided to clean out the rebelliousness. I remember what he did. Every creature was supposed to have the male and female go into the act. Is that okay? To preserve seeds. For the next generation. But to clean out the evil from the earth. What did he do? He sent the flood. And that was done on the 17th of the second Hebrew calendar. Of the month. And again we find out the ark. And his eight passengers. 
rested on the mountain of Ararat on the 17th of the seventh month. 17th of the seventh month. That's when the ark rested on Mount Ararat. Now the seventh month was supposed to be the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles. So it was at the center of the Feast of Tabernacles, if you will, that the ark rested. The seventeenth of the seventh month, which was the Feast of Tabernacles. Praise the Lord. If you go to the scriptures, you begin to see that Rehoboam, Solomon's son, reigned for 17 years in Israel. After the split of the kingdom in 930 BC, he reigned for 17 years. Is that okay? If you study also very closely the book of First Corinthians, you will notice that it has 17 direct quotations from the Old Testament. 17 direct quotations from the Old Testament. If you look at 1 Corinthians. I'm just giving you some background. How it occurs or appears in scripture. In Judges 3 verse number 8. We have the longest name. Of a king there mentioned. Mesopotamia. And he has 18 characters. Very long. Look at the name there. Chusharishal Time. That is about 17 characters of the king. Was the king of Mesopotamia. And the children served this king for eight years. Put them in captivity. Praise the Lord. Like I said, that name contains how many letters? 17 letters. If you read through the book of Psalm, Psalm 83, 6 to 11, we may not have time, you just write it down so that you can take time to read it. 17, 6 to 11, you are going to see a total of 17 enemies of Israel. 17 enemies of Israel. Seven of these enemies God destroyed in the past before they got into Canaan. And these were the Midianites, Sisera, Jabin, Ored, Zeb, Zeba, and Zuma. Those were the false seven kings. Then you have other ten tribes that tried to destroy Israel. And preventing them from becoming a nation. These ten tribes are Edom, the Ishmaelite, the Moabites, Hagaris, Geba, Ammon, Amalek, Philistines, Tyre, and Assyria. The ten other tribes. So if you take this tribe and add it to the first seven tribes, you have 17. The fullness of enemies against the children of Israel as a nation. Praise the Lord. So this made up the total enemies that intended to destroy Israel, but with God, if I may use the word crush, to have complete victory over the enemies for Israel. Are you there? 
Praise the Lord. Jesus had complete victory over death and the grave. And this was accomplished when he resurrected about his sunset on Nisan 17th. They got complete victory over death and the grave. Nisa 17, he rose. When he rose was Nisa 17, according to the Hebrew calendar. Praise the Lord. But what was his victory? Victory over death and the grave. When Paul said, Love is the greatest gift in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. That was a 17th mention of the word love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. The word love was mentioned 17 times in this particular passage. And I abided faith, hope, love, that's charity. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the 17 times that the word love is mentioned in this book. Praise the Lord. John 3, verse 16. The word said... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth to him should not do what perish but have everlasting life. Now this proves God's unending victorious love over all things. It's just like he says be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. In me you shall have peace in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer for overcome the world. That means you also have the power to overcome all the enemies that were supposed to come against you in this world. Number 17. Just like you overcame the grave and death, you also have empowered you through the prophetic number 17 to overcome Everything that wants to militate against your peace, against your joy, against all that you are supposed to have. In me, you shall have peace, but in the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have what? Overcome the world. So you have victory over everything as far as this world is concerned. That is number 17 speaking. Are you following it? Praise the Lord. So, the same victory over grave and death that Jesus experienced shall be extended to all those who prove faithful and enduring to the end of time, according to 1 Corinthians 15. Remember when you look at our 50, yeah, 50, yeah, they begin to tell you, oh, come on, oh, grave, where is that power? Oh, sin, where is that thing? Oh, death, you know, they begin to tell you all of that. Why? It means, just because you overcame the grave and dead, you also have the power to overcome the grave and dead. Praise the living God. Like I always let people know, 
Christians don't die. They sleep. Hmm? Are you listening to me? Let me just mention this again. Uh, first, first um, Acts chapter 7. Let's look at the last two verses. I just want to show you something. I'll show you something here. Alright. And they stood Stephen. And was calling on God. And saying, Lord, receive my spirit. What the last verse. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not down this charge. I mean, charge them with this sin. And when he has said this, what did he do? He fell asleep. He didn't die. Did you understand that? Believers don't die. We only fall asleep. And anybody that falls asleep must wake up again. I don't know if you're getting that. If you're dead, then there's no life in you. But if you fall asleep, you still have life within you. So there is resurrection life in every believer. So you don't die. You only fall asleep. Huh? Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. You're only changing your covering. I mean, your tabernacle. You're just changing this form into another form. You don't die. You're alive. Praise the Lord. Okay. Number 17 speaks of our standing with God unmovable. And I like this one. Go with me to Numbers 8. I mean Romans 8. 35. I'm going to read from 35 to 38. 39, if you will. Look at this. 35, are you there with me? Who shall separate her from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, one. Distress, two. Persecution, three. Famine, four. Nakedness, five. Peril, six. And what is that? Sword. What do you get that? Seven. Are you there with me? Alright. Verse 36. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep of the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded, look at the next thing, that neither death, 11, nor life, no, we have seven before. So this eight. No life. Nine. No angels. Ten. Principalities. Twelve. Powers. Thirteen. Come again. Twelve. Good. Then, that's angels now. Okay. Principalities. What do you have that? Thirteen. You mean powers? Thirteen. Twelve. All right. 12 is power. Then nothing is present. 13. Nothing is to come. 14. No height. 15. No depth. 17. I mean 16. No any other creature. 
How many things are? 17. So you take this 10 last one, add it to the first 7, you have what? 17 things that we can overcome to stand with God. Praise the Lord. And again, this is to say, these are the things that want to separate us from God. Because the question Paul asks, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And he mentions 17 things that can separate us from the love of God. And so, he is saying, we can overcome through Christ all of these 17 things. We have the victories over them. Praise the living God. Are you there? So, here are 17 things that can literally, if you will, separate you from the love of God. But we have this victory in Christ. That in the midst of these things that are warring against our spirit, our faith, we have the power to overcome them. Praise the Lord. So just like he overcame the grave and death, we have the power to overcome these 17 powers or dominions that want to separate us from the love of God. Can we take this from a simpler translation? If you like, read the message. Um, Romans 8. Romans 8. Let's just read it through. From verse 35 again. Yeah, give me New King James. I said myself. Okay. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. No trouble, no hard times, no hatred, no hunger, not homelessness, not bullying traits, not backbiting, backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scriptures. Hakabara Santa can separate us from the love of Christ. Did you get that? What's the next thing? They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We are sitting dust. They keep us off one by one. None of these phase us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, High or low, thinkable or thinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Praise the living God. Did you get that? Nothing, nothing can separate us from this love. We know that he loves us. He has embraced us. He's taking us to himself. We have also embraced him. In fact, scripture said, it's not a shame to call us his brethren. Nothing can separate us from that love. No matter the situation, no matter the powers, no matter the authorities, the dominions, no matter the demonic forces that are trying to dissuade us and persuade us not to follow Christ anymore, it's not going to be possible. We have victory over the demonic powers. Praise the living God. Nothing is going to convince you to live Christ unless you were not born from above by the power of the law about Genesis where a higher power picks up a lower power 
and infuse life into that power. Christ God, being born from above, infuses life into us and we cherish the life that is given to us. We love him because he first loved us. The overcoming power that we receive is factored in number 17. So no matter the situation, you must understand this, that there is power in you to overcome every demonic power, every obstruction, every angelic spirit, anything, even hatred, even men that slander and backbite you, you have power to overcome that. The way they insult and abuse you is not enough for you to be weakened and get out of faith. You are not going to be discouraged because men are trying to discourage you. Even hunger is not going to separate you from the love of Christ. That you don't have what you think you are supposed to have is not enough. There is number 17 speaking. You have the victory over that as well. Praise the living God. Have I helped you tonight? God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.